నమస్తే సో వీ హ్యాడ్ డన్ ది ఇంట్రొడక్షన్ ఫర్ లైఫ్ డివైన్ అండ్ వీ హ్యాడ్ ఆల్సో హ్యాడ్ టూ క్లాసెస్ ఆన్ సమరీ ఆఫ్ ద ఫస్ట్ ఫోర్టీన్ అండ్ ద నెక్స్ట్ ఫోర్టీన్ చాప్టర్స్ విచ్ ఈస్ బుక్ వన్ అండ్ టుడే వీ డూ ఇట్ ఆన్ బుక్ టూ విచ్ ఈస్ ఇన్ టూ పార్ట్స్ అండ్ ద టూ పార్ట్స్ ఇస్ ద నాలెడ్జ్ అండ్ ద ఇగ్నోరెన్స్ ది స్పిరిచువల్ ఇవల్యూషన్ as i said shrivindra is building the great edifice and the walls and the decor the interiors and the furniture and the cornices and everything uh, for the life divine that's what the divine wants to establish upon earth so when we read such books we should read it with a living uh, sense not see philosophy becomes very dry philosophy is an intellectual pursuit but philosophy is best understood when it is a need of our soul to discover what are the principles of existence what is there behind this world is there something or is there not then philosophy becomes real and living because it's a quest and we see answers to this quest given by um in the western context the attempt is only mental it's a mental exercise looking at the apparent facts of existence we try to discover what could be possibly behind it and uh, for the rest there is religion so there is a dichotomy which exists in the indian context philosophy is born out of spiritual experience so that's why if you have to um, talk about say shankara's philosophy it is born out of a profound experience again buddha born out of another line of experience so when shurbindo speaks of something beyond it he is basing itself on some experience which he had after having gone through the nirvana and the experience of advaita this should be very clear it's not a intellectual gymnastics shubindu writes that that uh, i can understand what shankara said because i myself had the experience of the what is known as maya where the entire world appeared says unreal floating on a cinema film and then it vanishes he says but what can i do if i went beyond or he was taken beyond as he puts it and there he discovered the purushottama with his infinite personality so because he has that greater experience he can talk about it speak about it so it is not philosophy the way philosophy is understood it is born out of the experience spiritual experience realization vision of shirbindo not an understanding but for us it is an understanding so i always keep reminding to understand we must stand under that's what the upanishad means sitting at the feet of the master so when we stand under then we understand but if we try to say my mind is capable of understanding the divine then we never understand that's the first dictum of isha upanishad avigyatam vijanata avigyatam abijanata they who have the thought of it know it not they who do not have the thought of it know it because it cannot be known known by an exercise of thought and yet we see in the life divine shubindo takes one proposition after another one proposition of the uh, after another all the traditional uh, experiences which have turned into systems of philosophy and he goes beyond that's why when people try to say which system of philosophy is sure bindo well all that we can say is it doesn't fit into them it includes all of them and goes beyond synthesizing them together in something greater and higher this is important because when people say uh, what about vedanta well it's not only vedanta it's also the highest experience of tantra which is embodied in it also sankhya so all these things are brought together in such a harmonious synthesis that by the time you finish you feel even if you want to <laughs> one should not but is there a little corner left which is dark every shade every bit has been covered with such a detail and all that one can think of when you read the life divine a book like the life divine and right now i'm resisting the temptation to <laughs> compare what savitri is <laughs> well i may might as well say then it looks like these typical south indian temples i would use the word south indian because you see the richness of detail everything is there in its own place something so wonderful and then at the center there is the sanctum sanctorum so the life divine is like that and what is savitri savitri is the music that the lord is playing inside this sanctum sanctorum and this music is now spreading all over uh, 
within around to all the gods goddesses are spreading out into the world that's my way of looking at it so let's come to <laughs> the part 1 of the book book 2 part 1 the knowledge and the ignorance the spiritual evolution so essentially in this section shurbindo is uh, synthesizing the seeming opposites so this is the basic theme of this section section and the essence is that so long as we live in the mind essence at the end of all the chapters we we get this it will remain divided because the mind cannot comprehend the reality together so i use this example of a human consciousness uh, when we look at the earth we lose the sky when we look at the sky we will get probably a thokar on the lower road and lose now human beings have to look straight they have to balance between what is coming from above and <laughs> rarely things come from above sometimes rain and sunshine but uh, we have to be careful so there is a reality in that this is a reality of this that's why last time we spoke about shorbindo's vedanta is a realistic vedanta as opposed to the illusionist vedanta now then comes why illusionist vedanta came into existence because when the mind withdrew from the surface consciousness and entered into a state of deep samadhi not the waking samadhi which shivinder speaks about so it discovered the all beautiful the all blissful the all glory the all wonderful the all knowledge the omniscience the omnipotent the omnipresence and then when it returned back it said oh my god this cannot be his work this is the basic problem which is a very realistic problem so but this is true it strikes us now there have been efforts to reconcile for instance one effort is that says this is complete illusion this one extreme position so if it is complete illusion then there is a problem then who is the person who is tied who is mukt who is bound who is free what is the meaning of any spiritual effort because all spiritual effort in the end comes to a zero the second is then who is really experiencing this illusion so there have been attempt to describe that is there a real individual who is experiencing this illusion or there is no individual this is the other aspect again if there is no individual and brahman alone is experiencing there can be no other <laughs> so why is it experiencing this why should somebody have this nightmare of his own choice because he is omnipotent he is omniscient why would he want to have this night uh, nightmare so there is a third position taken all these positions come in the life divine in different places i'm just you know because it's a summary um, uh, class so later on at some point we'll take every chapter in detail maybe we'll start from next year so then when you take this other position that well there is a temporal reality is a qualified monism as is called vishishtadva there is a temporal reality of the individual so what is that temporal reality it is a reality where brahman himself is projected as if he is the individual jiva experiencing this world which essentially is unreal now this is big problem again why would he do so <laughs> no better business than tie himself into individualities which have no real meaning it is like an unreal reality so shankara comes with a very elaborate explanation you know those who find the life divine difficult please read vivek chudamani you will find it simpler <laughs> uh, so i mean no grudge again maybe i read it to young and age so i found it oh it's not complicated why something which is so straight for instance the typical example was the snake and rope illusion i always found it a very imperfect analogy and shubindo speaks about it why because if the world is unreal then it's a hallucination and if there is a reality but it is distorted perception then it's an illusion illusion doesn't mean non reality illusion means we are perceiving it in a distorted way so the snake rope example actually means that though it is interpreted as that there is no real thing and we interpret it like that snake rope illusion means there is a rope and i interpret it as snake vice versa also like the famous tulsidas story he saw a snake and thought it's a rope because he was so much overcome by 
love for his wife that he climbed through the snake <laughs> and Ramayana was born <laughs> Ramcharit Manas subsequently. So, illusion literally means there is something but it wears a distorted appearance. So, the next question is who distorted it? Now, here we can have two possible answers. One is it is distorted or it is the way I perceive it that it is distorted. So, there is a problem with the percipient consciousness. So, all philosophy hinges around these three things. One, what is being perceived? Second, who is the percipient consciousness? And third is, what really is this perception? What is the mechanism through which this perception is taking place? So, all these things, Shabindo step by step, you know, speaks about in the life divine. So, he is reconciling all these seeming opposites and obviously, constraint of time, we won't go into uh, big details, but the very first chapter is indeterminates, cosmic determination and the indeterminable. Very simply, there is a supreme reality which is indeterminable. There is no way the mind can qualify it as is or as is not. All qualification will limit it. Even is not is a conception. When we say it is not, that's why the atheist argument is a non-starter. The moment you say God doesn't exist, you <laughs> it's a non-starter. <laughs> so anyways, instead of going into intellectual dialectics, the thing is we cannot define him as iti iti, we cannot define him as neti neti, depending on the angle. By neti neti is meant there is nothing in this world in terms of percept or concept which captures that reality. So it is indeterminable. Avigyatam vijanata. At the same time, iti iti, all this that is owes its existence to him. So all is in some way or the other, in some secret, in some way we don't understand nothing else but that. So this is the position of the indeterminable. Then there is the indeterminates. So what are the indeterminates? In, the, in its origin is everything mapped, planned and created? Or there is a beginning when nothing is really fixed or has taken a form. So indeterminate is that. And there are two at which things are indeterminate. What is the superconscient? Where things are yet not manifested. They are there as a seed. And the second is inconscient, the other pole. And that explains why a lot of things later on, Shubhinda explains in the last chapter of this particular part about how evil comes into existence, why it comes. So this is the other indeterminate. You have put a seed. Now this seed will, the seed of a oak tree will go, grow into an oak tree. Now scientists say genes, genes are processes governed apparently by random chance, accidents. There are some Messenger RNAs, there are some things which transfer from the surface, the information. But look at the perfection that the seed of a particular tree, even by any amount of chance and accident, will not grow into some other tree. So there is something which is determining. So this comes the determinate. What is determining? There is something in each element of creation which is determining things the way they should be. But it also leaves open gaps for Randomness. Look at the beauty of this creation. So these gaps are there left for allowing future evolution. If everything is perfect, picture perfect, then there is no further evolution. So it plays with randomness, chance, seeming accident are all steps of the great plan. So even in that determinism, there is scope for error. If human beings never made an error, never make friends with somebody who has never failed, who doesn't know what is failure, because the moment you say, I have a problem, you'll say, there is no problem. It's all in your mind. <laughs> and you'll say, my God, <laughs> there is no success, there is no failure. This is the way people misinterpret the Gita. There is no death, all this is all created by your mind. The philosophy is like that. But when somebody has faced failure, fall, uh, you know, suffering, he is the person who is, who is ready to lead because he is the right person, he understands it. So, in this determination, there is gap, even what is provided is for the evolutionary possibility. 
So what is the determinate is the real idea, the perfect consciousness and intelligence which is buried inside. It is determining the steps of the whole journey. Then, so there is the reconciliation of these two, indeterminate and cosmic determinates. But keeping in view that the divine, the supreme is indeterminable, the ultimate reality. These things you have in the reconciles. Brahman, Purusha, Ishwara, Maya, Prakriti, Shakti. Again, the reconciliation. Because generally we hear about Brahman and Maya and everything. Ultimately, there was a friend of mine who would keep saying, Sab Maya hai, Sab Maya hai. <laughs> So there is a joke about it. The great, I won't use the word great, but Swamiji keeps saying all is Maya. And then they are eyeing on your pocket. So when you unburden your pocket, they say, see I am helping you. I am relieving you of the Maya. I am taking the burden upon myself. (laughs) So when my friend would say all is a Maya, I would retort and say all is a Leela. But there is a third position that Shurabindra takes which will come to later. So, the question is Brahman which is immobile. How come mobility comes within it? Or is it something extraneous? If it is extraneous, then there is a problem. What has really brought out this Maya? So, Maya in Shurabindra's, he goes back to the root of the term and the way it was used in the Vedic time. Maya comes from the same root, Ma. Ma is that which limits, measures. That's why we have Mata, Matra, Maya. That which limits. What does it limit? The infinite. But can we really limit? In a certain sense, no. Whatever houses we may build, and each house is a separate entity, yet it is connected through the earth. You can't say that, you know, it is independent of the earth. You cannot have an existence which is completely separate from the infinity. It is just not possible. So, but yet it gives the sense of a finite. So, that's what Maya is. So, Brahman and Maya. Maya is, I am cutting the whole long thing in a little nutshell. So, Brahman out of himself brings out his own power of self-manifestation and the power to limit itself. And from there come two terms. One is Vidyamai Maya. Vidya is the term means oneness. In its origin, that Vidyamai Maya is completely aware of the oneness and the unity. And the Avidyamai Maya, where one forgets the origin and the unity. So, though I am not fond of all these pictures of three generation, four generation, who Amare Dada the, who Amare. But you know, this is a way of Vidyamai Maya tells you all about your origin downwards. So you are always connected with the origin. It helps. That's why, you know, when mother was asked, how can humanity become one? She says, by becoming conscious of the origin. But we are conscious of all the separative identities. Avidya is when you have forgotten the origin. That's why if you want people to unite, remind them of their origin. Whatever your religion may be now, whatever your ideological position, there was a time when there were neither ideologies nor religion. Human aspiration is the same. So if you go back to the origin, you discover there is unity and oneness. So Vidyamai Maya is that which is aware of the origin, the truth of things. And Vidyamai Maya is the same, but it wears the robe of ignorance. This is how it is. And why it wears the robe of ignorance in Ramcharit Manas, in, in Tulsi Ramayana, in fact. Uh, sorry, Valmiki Ramayana. It's explained very beautifully. So, just before the Panch Vati, they are Lord Ram and Mata Sita, they are together and they, there is a secret conversation between them that now the time has come for the work for which we have come. So, what to do? So, Mata Sita gives her. Um, inner truth to Agni, to keep it. This is a real experience one can have in yoga. Where you know you are going to enter a phase like a secret necessity in the soul and that Agni preserves the original truth. It will be given back. After you have gone back, through, gone through all that clouding and confusion, it's all secure. But you are going through that phase. So the moment she does that, 
the vidyamai maya becomes avidyamai and the sign is when she tells see that golden deer now golden deer is of course a marichika see that golden deer i want it the desire for something which is real and unreal that's how the golden deer story goes and then ram goes and we know that you know she even starts doubting lakshman and then you know when lakshman goes he says she transgresses everything because she she has herself by her own will kept forgotten that why because now you see that story is so significant why avidya is born because she has to go to the far end of consciousness the other extreme in the domain of utter inconscience where all these powers of division sons of darkness ravan and his tribe they are there she cannot go if she is vidyamayi this creation there will be no way ravan can't come near her forget about trying to kidnap so she goes because that's the only way she can go goes to the far extreme why does she go to the far extreme out of the power of love ravan has forgotten who is she but she remembers this is our fellow you have to bring him back <laughs> so he goes there and the rest we know is history so vidyamayi maya and avidyamayi maya they are two modes of functioning of the same power what is that original power it is shakti so one when one transcends the consciousness of brahman goes further or deeper transcends is not the right word but goes deeper into it brahman is that when you experience the wide vast impersonal universality immobile ocean which is completely immobile this silence of being then when one crosses it then one discovers the radiant ishwara in his infinite personality so with the ishwara there is shakti the shakti comes out when there has to be creation so initial first creations of the greater worlds or the truth worlds are creations in oneness the supramental world the chit lok tapas tapolok anand lok there is there is no problem no fall but then at some point there is the grand experiment because you cannot have the sense of real multiplicity itself must become real eko hum bahushyam otherwise it's like a you know imagine a play where everybody knows everything the result everything is fixed match nobody likes to watch a fixed match you know <laughs> if you know that match is fixed they forget it there is no delight in it so for experiencing the delight of multiplicity the rapture of the adventure even of stumble fall and recovery all this for this it takes that extreme step where it enters into self oblivion so that's where we have maya prakriti shakti so prakriti it becomes prakriti which is complete material nature working in ignorance and the ishwara is of course the transcendent brahman is the universal and purusha is the individual soul so we have these three terms then comes the problem of eternal and the individual so is there a reality to the individual or not when we read that suddenly you wake up and you realize that all this illusion so what happened to that individuality that fellow yes any go individuality so then who really got the release is a problem the ego individuality was unreal so if it was really unreal construct of nature shankara says that within that domain you have to operate through reason that the operating system given to you that's how shankara explains this but when you wake up you you discover that all this so he allows a practical reality to this universe that's how actually but then actually it's a pra- pragmatic reality like we can't operate by believing that the earth is moving round we'll go dizzy or operate by the idea that sun is static and you know <laughs> we we pragmatically we need to know that sun rises and sets so there is a pragmatic reality but no eventual reality so individual is a pragmatic reality constructed by brahman to experience the question comes back to the same thing why would it do that why would it subject itself to ignorance if there is no truth of individuality at all and that's where shubhendra brings in he brings in that element of sankhya and here he is completely one with the gita about the multiplicity of the souls so the divine call whatever name 
he experiences himself if you want to put it through at three levels of being one is transcendent where he is free from all there has to be a status like that he is bound by nothing not even bound by nothingness see that is the beauty so he can create if he was bound by nothing it's like some people say i am a free person so you can act this is a paradox no no i can't because i am not bound so if you are not bound you can act that's the argument <laughs> if you are really not bound you can act so he is bound by nothing and he is not even bound by his idea of experience of nothingness he is free but he is free for anything including creating and becoming just the opposite like that's the ultimate freedom which he experiences and enjoys and then there is the cosmic level create this cosmos this wonderful temple and then in the individual so individuality in shurbindo's yoga is important and this fills the highest that we uh, you know feel when we read buddhist uh, and the uh, shankara's typical understanding you know that if that is so if there is nothing else but that if i am just that it is true by the way but that is only one truth then who was this i which was experiencing does he have a reality shubindu says yes the eternal has become the individual also without losing his eternal status so and we can have several examples of that and it will explain everything about how shakti becomes maya how ignorance comes so there is the other part knowledge and ignorance so i often use this example a person is sitting apparently doing nothing and you ask him what are you doing sir nothing what do you intend to do nothing then after this fellow passes away suddenly he is seized with an urge from inside to write a book now he starts writing and after some time the person says that what now the idea has started sir what are you doing i am not doing anything but i am going to do something what are you going to do i am write the i am going to write the mahabharata oh wonderful then after some time he again comes sir how far he says i am uh, having that chapter <laughs> where <laughs> pandavas are going to be banished to the forest why sir why are you putting this well shakuni has cheated them in the game and won the game sir are you sure you are going to do this yes sir i think something has taken hold of you not quite right <laughs> so what will he say he say picture abhi baki hai <laughs> wait for the full story to unfold now when we you read the mahabharata in the full story then it becomes so beautiful it is a saga of the soul of man through the epic of adventure and climb facing armies of hosts of forces that oppose it what would be bhim if he never had to meet with the challenge of kichak and jaras you know <laughs> jaras and what would be arjun if he never had to experience karn and dron and others he would be okay great man arjun is white fair inwardly that's why he is arjun he he may be mahabaho he may be gudakeshwas conquered his sleep but his highest consummation lies in the battle so that's where there there scenes of the drama he is creating in each character he is putting something of itself where does dushasan find his energy from from the same vyas but dushasan is a temporal character he will come and go so shubindo speaks about why knowledge and ignorance it's the same knowledge or another example when i am sitting anybody for that matter is in a classroom papa in the classroom so he is teaching something suddenly his child comes and says dad dad i want something now you know the teacher is all absorbed for a moment he has completely forgotten that he is a father today is men's day so i am using fathers huh? otherwise i would prefer mothers mothers don't forget that's the problem they will always go to the child first <laughs> so fathers example may work don't disturb me go away so that's how 
child is shocked. What has happened to him? He doesn't recognize me. Dad, I'm your son. Okay, I know. Just be there. And if he becomes little more, then dad also raises his temper and tone. And he has to go run to the mother and say, Ma, Ma takes care because mother is mother Jagat Janani. <laughs> so anyways, now what happens when it, the man is teaching, he has completely at that time become self-oblivious of his role as a father. He must do that. If he doesn't do that, there will be chaos. But when he comes from the class, he sees five missed calls from his wife. And a message. Why did you scold the boy like this? And then he buys a nice gift and goes home, says, I am sorry, bitter. Now he has forgotten that part. So what is ignorance? Is the same thing, knowledge, which acts within limits. That's all is ignorance. And it has its role. Look at it that, you know, when a finger is injured, only that much of white blood count should be activated, those things which are necessary for that little cut. Imagine if the entire immune system gets activated. One will die. Actually, in Corona, people died because of that. There was fear. So the whole immune system in a panic got activated. Lungs were inflamed. And people died because you need to have only that much which is required. So ignorance is also divine instrument. This is the famous story which I keep reminding. Uh, when a group of people had come who wanted to ask about Shurbindo's yoga and philosophy. So in Ashram there was Ambu Bhai, who was a hearty yogi. You will see his picture on Dada's Pranabdas book, and he had long hairs. Often he would wear a, a langot and move with long hairs. You can imagine what people from behind wondered. Frenchmen were after him. Somebody told him, please don't <laughs> move like that. But free from all things. So mother asked Ambu, can you talk to them? Ambu, okay. Went and spoke. Then he said, mother, why did you ask me to speak to them when you have such wonderful people like Amal Kiran and all of them? I know only Hatha Yoga. You want me to speak to them? Mother says, yes, yes, I know. And I know that their need was only this much. If Amal would have gone, they would have completely not understood. They would have been baffled. <laughs> so you were the right person. So you see, both knowledge and ignorance serve a purpose in the grand scheme. That's what he said. They are not opposites. But they are two modes of functioning of one reality. It assumes the forms of ignorance. Why? Because when things are beginning to wake up. So we can take another example. When a child who is asleep wakes up, you don't suddenly take him out. Even when a child is born for 21 days, you don't expose to the sun, at least for 10 days. Why? Because he is too premature and he opens his eyes suddenly, he will uh, become blind. So, in evolution, ignorance is the first step of inconscience towards recovery of knowledge. In involution, we have already spoken about Involution and evolution in the previous class. It's the first step towards inconscience. The moment you admit ignorance, you have to accept that this ignorance will lead to complete oblivion. It's like a fall. And a fall which is a free fall. Of course, there is always like a bungee jumping something connecting you. But the moment you allow this fall from the status of Oneness. Knowledge here is about oneness. Ignorance is where there is the sense of separativeness. The logic behind, as I have said, this is the logic. Shubhinda reveals that. But the moment you admit, ignorance itself is not the origin of evil. But it will go down, deep down, to that point of complete self-oblivion. As we experience during total sleep. So this is knowledge and ignorance. They are two modes of functioning of one reality. And then we have already spoken about reality and the cosmic illusion. So as I have said, uh, what really is this reality? It's a threefold reality, transcendent, cosmic and individual. And illusion itself is not illusion in the sense of non-reality, but it is in the sense of limited perception of reality. 
and because we perceive it in a limited way we don't know the whole story even of our own life actually if we uh, so much we talk about illusionism because we look at one life and we say asukham dukham suffering but even in a single life span take an opinion poll even those who are saying life is suffering sir tomorrow special visa has been granted you don't need a passport today divine is going to take all of you up those who already lived their hands even the stark illusionist will say bachche ki to shaadi dekh le let's at least see my grandchild <laughs> so look at the paradox <laughs> that's why this kind of illusionism can never remain i often say this that you know why should binda i said anybody he may read all the books and man can never be satisfied with this half philosophies where the complete perfect answer is not there human consciousness will seek for ultimate answers nowhere you can find except shurbindo this being realistic not simply exaggerating but this is a fact if you read the other philosophies and compare you'll see shurbindo is not denying any he is taking up all of them and he is integrating so ignorance is partial limited knowledge it's not absence of knowledge but a partial limited knowledge can lead eventually to a complete oblivion when you are struggling with partial knowledge where you don't know why things are who am i at some point when people don't know this as a psychological experience of many people at some point they say bulla ki jana mein kaun i don't know who am that can lead to two states one is the real search for truth as it happened in bullesha or it can lead to i i am nobody nothing and it leads to because ignorance at least provides you with a balustrade a support man is very proud of his ignorance but it holds him if suddenly you say that this is nothing all these systems and all constructs like zen philosophies you may plunge into unconscious not realizing because well it is a support but it's a support provided to ascend but equally if that support is pulled it's a temporary support if it's pulled away prematurely look what happens you know when people fly in the uh, now it's common thing <laughs> but first time i i remember seeing as a child a plane standing on airport and i was so surprised this so big it looks so small and then a question struck my child mind how does it fly why doesn't it fall so you know you how can it fly you know there is no support it seems to us a limited thing but there is a support and there is the bernoulli's principle all that you learn much later but at that point of time why is the plane you know not falling so this ignorance is something you hold on to if that something is taken away it collapses into nescience that's why the divine prematurely doesn't disturb that's why the gita gives the great uh, dictum those who are the knowers of brahman do not disturb those who are not the knowers if somebody is ambitious having desires we don't go and say are this is you know get rid of desire get rid of ambition he will go crazy he will just do nothing just sit and waste away his life so ignorance is given as a step took for the nescience to return towards superconscious but this would be meaningless if the fall was only to experience the fall so here shubindu says very clearly and of course beautiful chapters on memory self consciousness and the ignorance memory ego and self experience is very interesting uh, slightly uh, very interesting from psychological point what really is memory how do i take it like a continuity of myself how is it that i look at a picture and i say this was me no this was not me this is me <laughs> <laughs> that that is what is it that connects me to these my past and with that we can extend what is there a connection to my future becoming can i regain complete self consciousness shubindu says yes you can regain so what we are doing on the earthly plane we are enacting a story which is written so what difference does it make the difference of the individual is when we know the story we know the steps we must take we are not running away from that and therefore we are making the journey beautiful and when we don't know 
it's like somebody wants to come to Pondicherry. So, Raste mein friends, friends are friends. and All kinds of friends. Depending on which side you are coming. Supposing you are coming from Calcutta. Thoda Hyderabad ka tour kar lete hain. Okay. So get down. Your original destiny is to come here. You have taken the right start. Jump start. But you landed up in Hyderabad, Salarjang Museum, lovely lake, all this. Ab chale, ab, now you know it's too tiring. Some other time we'll go to Pondicherry. Let's get back. But you see, this original plan will keep on pushing. That is the beauty in inconscience is hidden the superconscious which will keep pushing. You, you can delay but you cannot stop because that is the original determinate which is determining. That is the real idea inside. So the plain time takes this form. Shubindu goes even further. He says even those deviations, errors are part of the plan. And let me explain this way. Shubindu speaks about Before we come to that last step, the boundaries of ignorance and ways of knowing. So he says that true knowledge is knowledge by identity. Meaning thereby if somebody asked me, do you exist? I say, please come to my clinic, I will see you tomorrow. <laughs> do you exist? Imagine, you know, airport if somebody asks, do you exist, then only you will get an entry. You can equally ask, do you exist? We don't ask. How do I know that I am? That's called knowledge by identity. I can't explain it. It's not based on something that I am doing. I don't give an evidence. See, I exist because, see, I can lift my finger. No, I exist. Even in coma, I exist. That's why euthanasia is a very debatable thing. You should be very careful about, you know. Physic- you are thinking of the suffering of the physical being and not about what is going on deep inside. I exist. Why I exist? How I exist? This may be, but I exist. <laughs> it's because I know it. Then there is a knowledge which comes by separation and partial identification. And typical example of that is, don't cross this line, huh? I'll get angry. Now you see, this is still separative knowledge. You know that you are going to identify with anger. And the third step is, I am angry. Now what has happened? This I which exists, has become anger. So there is knowledge by identity and knowledge by separative. Both have their utility. Separative knowledge allows us to detach from things and observe things as they are. That's what is called as objective knowledge. But the problem there is that it's easy to become objective with regard to vital movements. Very difficult to become objective with regard to thought. But it it helps. But at the same time when it comes to the divine, look at its double movement. If separative knowledge was not there, we would remain identified forever with the stone. They are identified. But because we have this possibility of separative knowledge, we can separate from the object and look at it. But the divine, ultimate knowledge of anything comes by identity. So how can the divine be known? Not just as an object, we can begin from there. Divine is there, divine is in this place, that place, here, this guna, that guna, or nirgun, or nirguna guni, depending, or ananda guna, whatever we want to. But in the end, when we identify, then only we can know. Because that is the way we can know a thing in totality, from inside out. Knowing from inside out is only possible when we unite. And then Shubhinda says something very beautiful. You can identify with the transcendent and with the cosmos and the individual. That's how the divine works from within outward. That's why we don't understand many times why we had to go through what we went through. But because deep inside he knows what is my need, you have to go through that. So boundaries of ignorance are that there is this boundary built around our surface personality and our sense reactions. These are our limits. So what I can see is true, real. What I do not see is not real. So unless we go to New York, not a good example, let me give a new example, good example. Unless we go to the beautiful northeastern hills, <laughs> they are not real. Go and see how much beauty is there. Unless I have actually climbed the 
you know, hilltop temple of Sankracharya in Kashmir. It's not real. That's an absurd argument. So we'll say by consensus because a lot of people are saying so. Still, to become real to us, real comes from that, that which can be realized. Real has to be realized. So it has to be realized. So our bounty is surface personality. I am Mr. So-and-so. Some people are so fussy, you pronounce their names wrongly. So I have found a standard technique. People call me all kinds of things. A-L-O-K-E, before my spelling. Everybody from Bengal writes like that. I said, okay, fine. Some people call Allok, that is also okay. Alok, A-L-A-L-O-K. So I have started saying, dekho, very simple. All, okay, you remember? Yes. Alok is all okay. <laughs> so it doesn't matter how you call. <laughs> Whichever way you call, does it make a difference to my identity? Well, to my identity it doesn't make a difference, but name and form has its own place. That's all. We have to understand it. <laughs> but eventually the identity. So names and forms are ways to manifest this secret truth inside. That's why when people went to masters, they gave them a new name. To some they gave, to some they didn't give. Champak Lalji never received a new name. Why? Because Champak, psychological perfection, he doesn't need a new name. So, this is how he described our bounties are limited to the surface personality. I am Mr. So-and-so. Often, this little limerick, I would say in some of these scientific forums, my name is Benjamin Jovit. I am a graduate from Belial College. All that is knowledge, I know it. And what I do not know is not knowledge. <laughs> so, <laughs> the limits of my knowledge are the limits of knowledge itself. This is ignorance. Boundaries of ignorance. So, he says that behind this surface personality, there is a subliminal being which can open to the universal and all knowledge it can access. A lot of knowledge. Then there is the subconscious about which we do not know. That's why we are surprised by impulses. Superconscious about which we are not even aware. And then this triple layer of reality. So there is a sevenfold ignorance and sevenfold knowledge which comes in the next part, which surrounds us. We must break through it. Otherwise, we'll never know how life is operating. No book can teach us unless we break through this. So the boundaries of ignorance, and finally comes the grand chapter. So, as I said, ignorance is born out of exclusive concentration. The same thing which is the cause of ignorance is the same thing which helps us to get back to knowledge. When I concentrate exclusively on a flower, I become the flower. And I forget who I am. When I concentrate exclusively on who I am in my utmost reality by an idea, taking health from an idea. Here it's an image. Same way, taking health from an image. Or an idea. Shurabindo nami anando. Jogi rajo namo namo. Then through that, I pierce that veil and become one with that. When we become one with that, we become one with all the aspects of creation upheld by the divine. So this he repeatedly says, the eternal does not annul the individual. He fulfills the individual. Then I understand not only my meaning in this world, but everybody's purpose in the world. That's why those who become one with the divine truly can help because they are aware. That's why when Arjuna says, I want to sign up for a course in meditation and uh, I am whatever it be, prince, whatever, I can pay up for it. Sir, please let me go for 10 days. I'll practice sannyas, come back. Sri Krishna says, no, that's not your nature. <laughs> if Buddha would have asked him, he may have, he may have said yes. Don't take a course, but discover the reality because you are born for that. Arjuna, when he asks him, says, you better fulfill the work ordained by you. So, because the divine knows every individual from within. He doesn't have a fixed format. All those fixed formats of life, they crash. Because it doesn't, they are helpful when we navigate in ordinary life. So, social, religious, moral rules, they help us. Uh, but they are not absolute truths. Absolute truth is infinite which acts with infinite plasticity and freedom. It may go to Jagai and Madhai and bypass a 
person closing his eyes and deep meditation, seeming deep meditation. And if you were to ask, sir, you have missed something, you have bypassed this fellow. Yeah, yeah, I know. Sir, he is meditating so hard, that's why I bypassed him. I have passed by. If he was really meditating upon me, he would have opened his eyes. <laughs> he is searching me inside when I am standing sakshat. <laughs> so he talks about exclusive concentration. It is the cause of ignorance because it leads to self-forgetfulness. It is also the cause of recovery. So all these powers work both ways. And finally comes to origin and remedy of falsehood, error, wrong and evil. So first he explains that, well, we make too much out of it. We must first understand its place. Error is when nescience is striving towards knowledge. There will be error. But each error is a step on the way. You can't suddenly behold that comes. So you'll have to make each error is an approximation. What we call as error. We try to comprehend the divine. He is in the skies. What do we say? Is it error or is it not an error? Depends on where we stand. Then the next level, you know what? This guy we have gone all around. We didn't find him. Say, no, no, no. Sky means space. So where is that space? So that space is not only up above, it is space is everywhere. You end up realizing that even in atoms there is space. So they oh, in that sense he is in space. He is everywhere, in everything. So, this error, but you can't straight away give this experience to somebody. It can be unnerving to imagine or even conceive that the divine is flowing in every space. In every atom, he is there. All that we say that we don't know what is there is filled with the divine. Light is the only reality. Darkness is our limitation to behold the light. So, Error is born when nescience climbs towards knowledge and the divine allows it because he knows it. So there is an allowance for every stumble and fall born out of error. What about falsehood? Falsehood is born out of the vital ego. Now you see now, error, he has to create individuality as little spaces for the true individual, the psychic to develop. Imagine somebody saying all is same, this house, that house, I have read in the book, all is Brahman. Okay, go and tell the person next door, I am going to have food in your house. Why? You know, Vasudeva Kutumbakam. Your house is Krishna's house, my house is Krishna's house. You say, okay, then I am going to occupy your house and drive you out of my house. And you search for a third Vasudeva Kutumbakam. I see, we'll misapply it. So that's why the world has suffered so much with the misapplication of truths. Today also we hear, keep hearing, Vasudeva Kutumbakam, we have said, you know. So everybody is welcome. Yes, but look at that consciousness in which it is uttered in the Mahapuran. There is a deep truth behind it and it can be easily misapplied. So... Individualities are created when you say, this is my house. So, my house means now I can decorate it. It's up to me how I look at it. I can keep it ugly. I can decorate it. I can make it beautiful. So, I believe this is my nature. And my nature is me. So, slowly through process of learning, growth, we discover this is negative, this is positive, this is good, this is bad, evil. And we have to also assert this individuality. Affirm this. So the vital ego in its self-affirmation in the beginning when life is born, it needs to assert. Each life form has to assert. The tiger asserts by his paws and his sheer weight. Sometimes when you read, <laughs> I imagine the paw of a tiger, what strength it contains. It's not just his paw, the strength of the tiger. But the same power gives swiftness to the deer. Deer also has his own individuality. Let's see which will survive. Tiger is becoming an extinct species. <laughs> so, <laughs> divine play. So, each individuality is created this way. I am given my own vision. So, very often we have to understand 
that we have yet to act according to the truth that is given to me. I believe in bye-bye, everybody is bye-bye. But when I am standing on the borders and there is an aggression of Pakistani soldiers, I, I won't disarm myself and say, <laughs> It's true. But there, this is the truth. That's why we should not hate. That's the dictum in Gita. Don't hate, yet fight. Because this is the truth of the moment which you have to realize. So individualities are created for this purpose. And then eventually you discover that deeper true individuality, the psyche being inside. But vital ego has to assert itself. It doesn't have that. So when two beings clash, two forces clash, two forms clash, they have to clash with that full idea, I am separate and distinct. And this is necessary part of the play of nature. It's important. That's how individualities are shaped. When there is a uh, challenge by the society around that's how from the social, the individualistic stage starts by challenging all the assumptions. That's why divine allows even negation of all the affirmations. He says, Bacha grow kar raha hai. <laughs> So all this has its place to create the individuality. But when this individuality takes the form of the vital ego, it becomes falsehood. So when India or a country defends itself, it is true because every nation must defend. But if India starts expanding, then it is false. Nations also act like that. Germany tried to find its soul, found its vital ego. That's how Shibindo describes in the human cycle. So falsehood is born out of the vital ego, which must assert itself, yet it asserts falsely. So there is a wrong movement. So where does evil come in? Evil now comes with the mind. So there is error, there is falsehood and there is utter evil. It's born out of any which way. Now you see, it has become an extreme. The wrong movement and the ego has taken that extreme turn which is any which way I must assert not only myself to defend but to swallow the whole earth. And why? Because deep within there is oneness. So that's how it takes this turn of becoming evil. So, they, Shubhintu says they exist on other planes also. We are not the only fellows. So, there are Dhyatyas of the vital plane and the Devas of the vital plane, good and evil. So, their birth is not here. But they influence human consciousness. And so, human beings can open to the evil that is there in the cosmos or they can open to the good. Now, why all this drama is taking place, this battle? So that the soul can eventually... Wake up and choose. So first it chooses between good and evil. First stage of its growth. And then when it has chosen good over evil, then it must choose the eternal good over what it conceived as good. That's where Arjuna's dilemma lies. He's a good guy, good man, good human being. He doesn't want to kill his cousins also. <laughs> where will you find such a... Person, your people compare Arjuna with Karna. I don't understand where is the comparison. Here is a man wanting to be with Duryodhana for all his evil doings, knowing fully that he is an ambitious guy. And here is person is saying, I will forgive them. Krishna, don't you think I am doing something wrong? He is a person who has reached that point of good. But now he must strive towards eternal good, which is the fulfillment of divine will and creation. So, this choice helps us to prepare for that. That's why the sense of sin and um, goodness is given to man. And how this works is very interesting. Because deep within the true individual is the psychic being. And the psychic being in man, instinctively, divine has put his, you know, Chordarwajas, his own fellow, inside. Psychic being instinctively seeks for truth and beauty and good. It, it is the operating system. Wherever there is evil, it will avoid that. Wherever there is untruth, it is this which feels, I feel comfortable doing this or saying this. Wherever there is beauty, it is tends towards that. Beautiful act, beautiful gesture, beautiful thought, beautiful feelings are attributes of the psychic. 
Later on it says, oh, this truth that I was seeking comes from the one who is truth and harmony and delight. This good that I was keeping, uh, seeking can only be fulfilled by, not by any mental sattvic conception, but by the eternal good. And this beauty derives itself from the all beautiful. So that's why we see that these different steps of the journey, from one step to the other and to the other. So this entire thing, the origin and remedy of falsehood, error, wrong and evil. So what is the remedy? Very clear. They are born of a separative consciousness. If we live by the separative consciousness, we will keep on whatever we may say. Am sab bhai bhai hain. If not deception, we will limit it to brotherhood. Universal brotherhood becomes brotherhood of Islam. That too then becomes this sect versus that sect. See, this is what happens. Brotherhood. We all believe in brotherhood. But we cannot create brotherhood till we are... In fact, brotherhood is the real key, not unity and equality. Brotherhood admits multiplicity of souls. And brotherhood is only possible when we lose the separative consciousness yet keep the psychic individuality. There is no other way you can create brotherhood. That's why Shubhindu repeatedly says, fraternity is the key. But you can't have it just by saying, bhai bhai, bhoat achha lagta hai. Are, you are like my brother. Imagine the brother says, Achha, theek hai, aapka ye saman bhi de do. <laughs> Two bro- but if you really have that sense of brotherhood, you will know the true need and you won't, you will give it away. But otherwise, invariably. And separative consciousness will keep on exposing us to error, evil and falsehood. So the remedy lies in regaining this Unitarian consciousness Unified consciousness But without losing the individual Because if we lose the individual True individual Then we annul the purpose Negate the purpose of The divine in the world So then we have taken so many steps People who are escapists Who reach that point and say I want to withdraw They are like that Saap Sidi wala game (laughs) 99 You have that fellow Waiting for you and you are waiting. I should cross over. Are you have come this far. It's okay. Play the game. Enjoy the game. In this game, there is no victory or defeat because each is on his own journey. Everybody is throwing their own dice. Play it. So, I don't know whether anybody has played Ludo. Yeah. Uh, not Ludo, but Snakes and Ladders solo. It's a delightful game if you play solo. No competitor. Then you don't then you are going through going through the ups, downs, finally you crash the barrier. So you see this you have nature, it's just imagine creator, he has gone all the way to Nasians, recovered. Now individual who is seeking for the divine, now it's just round the corner. We have to recover the true individual and on this basis recover our universality and the transcendence in that utter freedom. Full consciousness, full knowledge, not only within self-knowledge, but world knowledge, world existence, the rhythms of life, creation, based on that truth, we have to act. And that is what we see, the great teaching of the Gita, how Shubhindo beautifully brings out. But Shubhindo takes up another aspect, which will be in the next part. The Gita does not elaborate. But the teaching is all implicit. Shubhindo has brought it out to what extent. Gita uses sometimes term like Maya, but what does Sri Krishna say? My Maya. You cannot slay Maya. Shubhinda in one of his passages says, you cannot slay Maya. You can slay Moha. Moha is the cause of falsehood. So, error is limitation. Attachment to limitation is falsehood. Because now you don't want to get rid of it. And then comes ultimately on the crowning moment of the mental ego, which not only is attached to this limitation, asserts its own individual life within those limitations against all life. That becomes the origin of evil. But nature doesn't allow it. There is a recoil against every Genghis Khan. You don't have to worry about that. There is an inbuilt mechanism because this world belongs to the divine. Whatever we may say, think, believe, doesn't matter. 
this is a divine reality which has brought out this world at the end it's not an illusion created just for nothing it's not even a leela for the sake of enjoyment yes there is delight in it it's the manifestation of the divine this world is a manifestation of the divine and because it's a manifestation of the divine it is destined to become divine so what what is it that we have to do do we have a role to play yes we have a role to play we must reclaim our lost parts subliminal superconscious subconscious so that we become one with that knowledge true knowledge life in ignorance is going to lead to error falsehood we must discover the true basis of unity not chai samosa party and say you know we are one not that true basis of unity which is in the psychic being and not be content only with that but universalize and transcendence and then we have to complete the spiritual evolution which is the one true way the radical way of actually creating this world a beautiful place that will come in the next part which we will talk about next time thank you